0: The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network, Buzz Burbank, news and comment. December 1st, 2016. Thank you very much for listening and for holiday shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. And so it begins. Donald Trump was up before sunrise Tuesday tweeting a rant before many of us were even out of bed. Tuesday morning, the man who would be president was proposing stripping citizenship from anyone who burns the American flag, or at least a year in jail. Like a number of Trump proposals, he can't do that. At least, he's not supposed to. Most people won't like you if you burn the flag, but the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled it is a protected form of free speech as promised in the U.S. Constitution. A flag had been burned on a Massachusetts college campus shortly after the attacks on Muslims and other minorities right after the election. Up early, watching a Fox News Channel report on flag burning apparently prompted Trump to tweet this week's pre-dawn proposal. If you value free speech, be concerned. If you value the Constitution, be deeply concerned. Trump's also talked about speech chilling moves to make it easier to sue reporters. He's banned certain media outlets from covering him. CNN may be next, considering his Twitter war with that news outlet. A year ago, Trump talked about choking off parts of the Internet. Trump will also apparently be naming this country's Supreme Court judges who will rule on various constitutionalities for decades to come. Even the late conservative Justice Antonin Scalia voted against a law that made flag-burning a crime. Quoting the man for whom Donald Trump will now name a replacement... If it were up to me, I would put in jail every sandal-wearing, scruffy, bearded weirdo who burns the American flag. But I am not king, he said. Scalia was also not Donald Trump. A word here about the news media and its place in our democratic republic. Yes, the media is flawed, but also we need it, and we need to value it when the media deserves that respect, and much of the time it still does. Last week, some of us paused to appreciate the late CBS News anchor Walter Cronkite on the 100th anniversary of his birth. But it wasn't Cronkite's retirement that damaged TV news so much as it was these things. First, deregulation of broadcasters by President Ronald Reagan, no longer requiring radio and TV stations to even have news programs. For broadcasters still doing the news, the focus shifted to having the most viewers, Broadcast journalism was no longer a nonprofit, public service loss leader for the networks, gradually less about pride than profit. On TV, it became all about the pictures. Stories with dramatic pictures were pushed to the top of the show, and stories without pictures were buried deeper and kept shorter. It made the unfortunate house fire or storm damage seem more important than legislation that could change, even ruin, the lives of millions. The second blow came with the arrival of the 24-hour news channels, which, to fill those hours, spent more time on discussion and speculation, and frankly, put a lot of unqualified talking heads on the air. And then came the number crunchers, interested only in the network's bottom line. Budgets were cut, overseas news bureaus were closed, and good reporters were left without jobs. That's why, these days, you and I share a generous skepticism of the big outlets, from which this particular newscast is free and independent. But, and this is a big but, without the media, no one is watching your government. No one is poised to keep it in check. Looking critically at politicians and government, that's the media's job. It was the news media that got our lawmakers to act on everything from the price of EpiPens to the mistreatment of our veterans. It was the media that told us about the Watergate break-in. It was Cronkite who told us we'd lost the Vietnam War, that it was time to end the bloodshed, and then President Johnson did just that. Without reporters questioning the government and its politicians, no one is watching your back or the wallet you keep there. It helps. There are sources on the Internet that adhere to a higher standard, but there are sources on the Internet that spread lies to further agendas over the truth, often just for profit. Many of them headquartered in Russia and Croatia, but some of the most influential are right here in the U.S. During the campaign, they literally capitalized on the anger of Donald Trump's most ardent supporters, photoshopping pictures, making up stories completely false, something the mainstream media, for all its faults, does not do. Millions believed and retweeted the fake news, and a new survey shows young people are more susceptible to believing it, unable to distinguish between credible news sources and the ones that aren't. Eighty percent of the students tested didn't know the words sponsored content mean it isn't an actual news story. In short, they were unable to tell an ad from a news article. The authors of the study say the situation threatens our democracy. So, Skepticism about the media is healthy and important and helps keep the media in check. But it's our job as citizens to use our brains and not our grievances to evaluate what we hear, including this program. I'm begging you not to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the so-called mainstream media. For all its flaws, the idea of discounting them completely is horrifying. In the words of American founding father Thomas Jefferson, were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. It is extremely unlikely this will amount to anything, but the results of the presidential election are still being challenged. As crazy as it sounds, it's still worth reporting. That challenge comes from Green Party candidate Jill Stein, one of the also-rans. She's challenged the vote count in Wisconsin, and the recount there begins today. What's in it for Jill Stein? The best guess is an effort to raise more money from those who cannot accept the results, so she can also afford to challenge the results in Pennsylvania. She's raised millions already. Stein's challenge is ironic, because without her and libertarian Gary Johnson in the race, Clinton may well have beaten Trump. But all three states until now have voted Democratic in every presidential race since the 1980s. A group of IT specialists and election lawyers say there's evidence the votes in those three key states were hacked to put Clinton at a disadvantage. They admit their evidence is not actionable, meaning they don't have solid proof, but they say there's enough evidence to warrant an investigation. Those computer folk have been hounding the Clinton campaign to challenge the vote counts in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin based on what they do have. The Clinton campaign passed on this at first, but having also been hounded by steadfast Clinton supporters, has now signed on to the recount. Clinton's campaign says, quote, now that a recount is underway, we have an obligation to Americans who cast ballots for Hillary Clinton to participate to ensure an accurate count. Republicans jumped at the chance to call Democrats crybabies and sore losers. Trump won the election with 290 electoral votes, 20 more than the 270 needed to win. Clinton fell 38 points short of that 270, racking up only 232 electoral votes. And the Electoral College isn't likely to change its mind when its members cast their votes officially in a little over two weeks from now. But legally, some, perhaps all of them, could. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by well over 64 million to Trump's just over 62 million. A recount that turned around the results in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania could give Clinton an Electoral College win over Trump. But no recount has ever turned around a presidential election, and Michigan officials say their count shows Trump won there by an even wider margin than first reported. Working to order a recount in Pennsylvania could be even tougher. This is the fifth time in our history a candidate's won the popular vote but lost the White House, and the first time by this much in 150 years. Donald Trump, who'd condemned the recount efforts as a scam, has thrown fuel on the fire by declaring, falsely, that millions of illegal votes were cast in the November election. He's offered no proof because there is none. But if his wild accusation were true, it would raise the question then, shouldn't we have the very recount Trump clearly doesn't want? But Trump insists he would have won the popular vote in a landslide had it not been for these supposed millions of illegal voters. In tweeting that, Trump is questioning the very system that won him the election. Staunch Trump supporter and advisor Newt Gingrich says Trump needs to stop sending out random tweets that it's not something a president should do without someone else reviewing his comments beforehand. Before the election, Trump called the Electoral College system a disaster for democracy, but without it he wouldn't have won and he's no longer a critic of the Electoral College. Clinton beat Trump by more than two and a half million votes, popularly. An even wider majority voted for someone other than Trump, meaning he has no so-called mandate from the American people. Trump's condemnation of the system that got him elected is further proof of his lack of knowledge about government. But then he wasn't elected for his knowledge of government. He was supported by so many, partly because of his perceived knowledge of business, despite a string of bankruptcies. And it is that supposed knowledge of business that has laid the groundwork for an unprecedented conflict of interest in the most powerful office in the world. Trump said at first that his children would run the business while he's president, but those lines, as weak as they were, have already been blurred, and those same adult children play key roles in his transition team. It was Trump himself who's met with foreign businessmen to further his real estate interest around the world since the election. His daughter, Ivanka, who's reportedly taking over the Trump empire, has been on the phone with her dad as he spoke with the leaders of foreign governments. She apparently represented the business on the line, while Trump acted as a representative of the country. And Trump continues to profit from his properties in other countries, despite our Constitution's clear ban on any federal office holder accepting money from foreign governments. The biography he posted on the taxpayer-funded .gov website for a president-elect plugs away at his real estate holdings and his golf courses. Although that page has since been taken down, it was the first thing he posted on that government website. Trump says, correctly, that there's no specific law that protects the country from a president's conflicted interests, In fact, Trump says he could continue to own his business and still do what's best for the U.S., that it's not even legally possible for a president to have a conflict of interest. He's encouraged foreign dignitaries to stay at his hotel when they visit Washington, and the list goes on. It's incredibly ironic from a candidate who hammered at Hillary Clinton for her alleged conflicts. The Trump Foundation, meanwhile, now admits it broke the law when it reported to the IRS it had been using charity money for private gain, the same concern being expressed about a president who's also a CEO. The word from Capitol Hill? It's extremely unlikely the Republican Congress would restrict Trump in any way or force him to remove himself and his adult children from that business for as long as he's president. But Democrats in Congress have introduced a bill that would ask Trump to put his holdings into a blind trust. So now Trump says he'll leave his business in total, even though he still says there's no law requiring him to do so. But Trump has said nothing about divesting himself from ownership of the companies, nothing about a blind trust, and nothing about whether his adult children would be running things with his voice in their ears. Other presidents have used a blind trust, and the government offers huge tax breaks to government servants who sell their businesses. Trump says he'll have a news conference in two weeks to announce just how he plans to extricate himself from his business to avoid a conflict of interest. It'll be his first news conference in four months, a first for an incoming president to wait that long. But Trump doesn't like it one bit that he's separating himself, at least to some degree, from his business. Quoting a Trump tweet from November 21st, only the crooked media makes this a big deal. There is a glimmer of good news from Trump on the jobs front. During the campaign, he promised to save the jobs that were about to be exported to Mexico by the Carrier Heating and Cooling Company. 1,400 jobs were due to be shipped south. Now, Trump says he's reached a deal with Carrier to keep 1,000 of those jobs where they are in Indiana, where his running mate, Mike Pence, is governor. The Trump team hasn't revealed any details of the deal, but Carrier appears to have gotten enticement to stay thanks to a sweeter tax deal from Mr. Pence. Trump's threat to punish companies that do ship jobs out of country may have also played a role in Carrier's decision to stay put. 53% of Americans say they believe Donald Trump will be a good president. Trump supporters almost universally say, give him a chance. 80% of Americans agree the country has never been so divided. More after this. Ready or not, it's time to wrap up your holiday shopping. But you can save time and money and give vital support to this free program when you do that shopping through my Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. You'll find fresh deals on electronics, fitness gear, and everything for outdoor fun. Amazon's annual holiday toy list is up and running. And there are three Kindle tablet models for under 100 bucks. Amazon also is still the best place to buy the amazing Echo and its offspring, Amazon Tap and the Amazon Dot for just $49.99. Art supplies, photo and video equipment, clothing, jewelry. Amazon has almost everything. And it can arrive at your door within two days with free shipping if you also join Amazon Prime through the links on my webpage. And don't forget, Amazon has gift wrapping and gift cards. When you shop Amazon through the links at buzzburbank.com, you help sustain this free news. I know you have a choice of shows to support with Amazon. I'm extremely grateful when you shop through me. Just click the Amazon logo at buzzburbank.com and then bookmark it. People marched in the streets for civil rights, women's rights, and to stop the Vietnam War. More often than not, those protests led to real change, even though some protesters were arrested along the way. Some heads got busted. Across the country Tuesday, Americans were arrested again as they loudly marched for a higher minimum wage, a wage the Republican-controlled Congress refuses to raise from $7.25 an hour, right where it's been for the past seven years. In this week's protests, over two dozen people were arrested in New York City, three dozen in Detroit, another two dozen in Oakland, two dozen in Tampa. There was no violence. They were arrested for being noisy or in the way. There were protests in Chicago, San Diego, Cleveland, Los Angeles, and Miami. Airport workers led the protests in Chicago, New Jersey, and Los Angeles as part of a nationwide day of action. Quoting one worker, every day we make sure passengers get to their gates safely, get their luggage, and get on a clean plane, but our families can't get by. Donald Trump has appointed a couple of fellow billionaires to guide the economy, neither of whom, like Trump, have any government experience. Wilbur Ross Jr., known as the King of Bankruptcy, will be our Commerce Secretary. Ross earned that title partly by saving Trump himself from bankruptcy in the early 90s. He was also behind tens of thousands of layoffs as he restructured failed companies he'd purchased. As Commerce Secretary, Ross will oversee the Census Bureau and the Patent Office as well. Hollywood billionaire Steve Mnuchin will run the Treasury Department. He produced the movies Avatar, Mad Max, and the X-Men series, but Mnuchin has only three years of experience in finance. He also foreclosed on the homes of 35,000 families after buying a failed bank during the Wall Street crisis, then selling the bank back to the government at a profit. Trump's campaign promise to drain the swamp in Washington is in question with his advisors, cabinet nominees, and other appointments now made up of Washington insiders, Wall Street insiders, and past or present Fox News Channel contributors. If you've heard the expression, it's like the fox guarding the hen house, welcome to the hen house. Even those who voted for Donald Trump may be losing their Medicare or Medicaid. Many may lose their health insurance entirely, because Trump, as he promised he would, has taken the first step toward repealing and replacing Obamacare, He's chosen one of the nation's biggest critics of Obamacare to be our next Health and Human Services Secretary. Georgia Republican Congressman Tom Price was among those in Congress leading the charge against the Affordable Care Act ever since it was passed by Congress six years ago. He led nearly five dozen attempts to repeal the law, trying but never succeeding until perhaps now. The 6 term congressman and former orthopedic surgeon has been quoted as saying, we think it's important Washington not be in charge of health care. And although Trump has indicated he'll keep certain aspects of Obamacare that people like, no pre-existing conditions and your parents plan till you're 26, but dump the rest, the man Trump's chosen to do these things is also against requiring insurance plans to cover birth control. A new survey says three in four Americans and even nearly half of all Republicans Now do not want Obamacare repealed. And on the subject of health care, the good news here is both parties in Congress are backing a bill that would bring medical devices and drugs to the people at lower prices. The bill would also give more money to the FDA and the National Institutes of Health, NIH. It would send money to the states to fight opioid overdoses from Vicodin to heroin, more money to fight cancer, and more. The bad news is the bill also makes it easier for big pharma and the device companies to pay doctors to use and recommend their products. Specifically, the 21st Century Cures Act waters down a Sunshine Act passed six years ago along with the Affordable Care Act. That law, that Sunshine Law, requires drug companies and the like to publicly report nearly every penny they spend on doctors, from cash to free meals and free trips. Even if a medical company pays a doctor to speak or consult, every penny had to be reported. That transparency would fade to translucence, details buried deep in the 996 pages of the 21st Century Cures Act, a bill that is otherwise good for all of us. Write or call your congressman to try to get this bill cleaned up so it's completely good for us all. Find out how at Senate.gov and House.gov. Under new rules in Texas, the remains of an aborted fetus must be buried or cremated, no matter how tiny or undeveloped that fetus may be. In the past, they were deposited in sanitary landfills with other biological waste. Texas's Republican governor, Greg Abbott, ordered the new abortion rule after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down an abortion-restricting law that would have shut down many of the Texas clinics. Dr. Ben Carson, who turned down an earlier cabinet position in the Trump administration, saying he wasn't qualified, now appears ready to accept a different cabinet post. Carson says he's in the running to be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Quoting Carson's business manager, he has no government experience. He's never run a federal agency. It's what prompted Carson to turn down the job as Secretary of Health and Human Services, himself saying having me as a federal bureaucrat would be like a fish out of water. And yet Carson did run for president and is now excited about perhaps being the next housing secretary. Texas's new governor agrees with Donald Trump on more than one issue, most especially Trump's plan to stop sending federal money to American cities that give sanctuary to undocumented immigrants. The aforementioned Governor Greg Abbott also enjoys Twitter tweeting Sunday, I'm going to sign a law that bans sanctuary cities. I've already issued an order cutting funding to sanctuary cities. In a later tweet, Abbott bragged, I deployed the National Guard to the border and filed a suit that halted Obama's illegal amnesty order. Abbott apparently couldn't wait for Trump to take office before forging ahead, and he's counting on Trump to build that wall or at least tighten border security but some cities across the country are standing their ground even under the Trump threat of a money cutoff. LA's police chief says his officers will not do immigration work for Trump, and the mayor of Chicago is telling what he calls the very nervous, that they are safe, secure, and supported in Chicago. Understandably, Americans who are also Muslim are worried about the election of Donald Trump and they're downright frightened about the anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim feelings Trump worked up in the crowds along the campaign trail. This didn't help. Over the weekend, three mosques in Los Angeles each received a disturbing letter. It was signed by someone claiming to represent something called Americans for a Better Way. That better way apparently involves doing, quoting the letter, to you Muslims what Hitler did to the Jews. It was addressed to the children of Satan, and referred to Muslims as vile and filthy people. Police and prosecutors in L.A. and San Jose are all over this, and police across the country are on alert for this kind of thing. There have been over 700 incidents of harassment or worse against minorities, religious and otherwise, just since the election. The threatening letter sent to those three Los Angeles-area mosques praised Donald Trump, calling him the new sheriff in town. Sheriff was misspelled, of course, because hatred is born of fear, and fear is born of ignorance. Which brings us to young Dylan Roof, who walked into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, last year and allegedly shot to death nine good people because they were black. This ignorant racist, a self-avowed white supremacist, is facing 33 federal charges, including hate crimes. He's offered to plead guilty if it means life in prison, but says he'll plead not guilty if the death penalty remains on the table. It still is. Against the advice of the judge and his own court-appointed lawyers, young Dylan Roof has now chosen to exercise his constitutional right to act as his own lawyer, keeping on the pros for counsel if he decides he needs them. The judge has agreed to let Roof be his own legal counsel. In the immortal words of the immortal Abraham Lincoln, he who represents himself has a fool for a client. That sounds about right. More news and some brighter stories in the closing segment, coming up. Here's this year's perfect stocking stuffer. Earbuds and headphones from TweakedAudio.com, especially the new Hegon Sport earbuds. They're orange and gray with silicone caps to help them stay put. They're water-resistant, tangle-free, and come with a travel pouch so they're ready to go the distance. The Hegon Sport Buds have an inline mic, a gold-plated plug, and, of course, extra gels for your ears. All the other tweaked audio earbuds come in a range of styles, colors, and materials, including wood. Tweaked audio products just sound better, specially designed to reduce outside noise. And you just can't beat the prices for this level of quality. You can even get buds in sets of two or three to save even more. And you can save an extra one-third off their already amazing prices when you check out with the code BBNC at tweakedaudio.com. They make the perfect gift, and Tweaked Audio provides free shipping anywhere in the world. Thank you for supporting this news through tweakedaudio.com. Once again, a Native American tribe is being told to move off its native land. North Dakota Governor Jack Dalrymple this week signed an emergency evacuation order to clear protesters from Sioux Indian land, where the white man is building an oil pipeline that could endanger drinking water for millions of people and the Native American farms along the Cannonball River. Greenpeace, which like other groups has joined the tribe's protest, says Governor Dalrymple doesn't have the authority to, quote, decide whether an indigenous sovereign nation can remain on its own lands. Quoting the environmentalist group spokesman, it's not surprising a governor who received money from the companies behind the pipeline would be quick to clear the camp and pave way for oil profits. This Sunday, some 2,000 veterans are expected to join in the protest, and they've been asked to bring body armor, gas masks, and earplugs Since police may use sound cannons to try to disperse the crowd, police have reportedly used tear gas, water cannons, and rubber bullets on the protesters already. In the words of a Native American who's also an Army veteran, are you going to treat veterans the same way you've treated those water protectors? The feds have also told the protesters to go, but say they won't use force to remove them. And although the Obama administration has a sort of dialogue going with the protesters, it may all be for naught. President-elect Donald Trump is invested in two of the companies building that oil pipeline. JetBlue and American were among the airlines that started flying in and out of Cuba this week. U.S. Airlines stopped going there over 50 years ago when Fidel Castro took command of Cuba. Almost ironically, the flight started again only a couple of days after Castro's death quoting one passenger, we were the last country with the embargo. I think it's time to normalize things. President-elect Trump appears to disagree, having promised to undo the reopening of a relationship between the U.S. and Cuba that was begun by President Obama. Other U.S. airlines started flying in and out of Havana more than three months ago. Delta's scheduled to fly there starting today. All of this could change with a president and a Republican Congress determined to refreeze U.S.-Cuban relations until Cuba frees some prisoners, stops protecting American criminals, and allows more free speech and press. Considering Mr. Trump's battles with the press in this country, that too seems ironic. In the meantime, the president we have for a few more weeks is sending only two diplomats to Castro's funeral instead of a presidential delegation. The White House says the U.S. does still have significant concerns about the basic human rights of the Cuban people, adding, we can't let the past interfere with our ability to make progress. The officer who shot and killed Keith Lamont Scott in Charlotte, North Carolina, will not be charged. The D.A. says 15 prosecutors agreed unanimously that Officer Brentley Vincent was justified in shooting Scott. The D.A. says Scott was armed when he stepped out of his car, Witnesses said Scott was not armed, but the witnesses' stories reportedly conflicted. In Tulsa, meanwhile, Officer Betty Shelby will stand trial for shooting to death Terrence Crutcher in a traffic stop. The DA there will argue that officer overreacted, killing a man who had his hands in the air and made no sudden moves. And in Charleston, South Carolina, Officer Michael Slager took the stand in his own defense this week because of video that shows him shooting Walter Scott in the back as Scott ran away. Slager argued he feared for his safety and acted in self-defense after a scuffle with Scott, but admits he should have called for backup. Slager also admits that at no point did Scott ever have the advantage over him. Quoting Slager, I fired until the threat was stopped like I am trained to do. That officer could be facing life in prison His case is now gone to the jury. The part of Tennessee that's home to Dollywood was on fire. Dolly Parton's theme park didn't burn, but wildfires just outside the park forced the people staying there to evacuate. Ripley's Aquarium was also evacuated, but that park's 1,500 animals were left behind. The Great Smoky Mountains were living up to their name as fires spread through a couple of neighborhoods around Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, all evacuated. Cars filled the roads, schools were closed, and the air is dangerous to breathe. The air was also dry and extremely windy. Over 150 homes have been destroyed, along with 100 other buildings. Over 17,000 acres have burned. 14,000 people were evacuated. Thousands of people are in shelters less than a month before the holidays. At least seven people lost their lives, more than a dozen injured. Tuesday night, much-needed rain came to Tennessee, but it caused mudslides on that burned-out land. The rainstorms also brought tornadoes that killed five people in Tennessee and Alabama, and another 25 homes were destroyed, along with several poultry farms. To no one's surprise, it was the biggest Cyber Monday ever this week. Americans spent over three and a third billion dollars online that day, more than predicted, and 10 percent more than Cyber Monday 2015. Cyber Monday this year even beat Black Friday sales by a few hundred thousand dollars. Toys, video games, and electronics were the big sellers, especially 4K TVs, iPads, and the Amazon Fire tablet. I promised to bring you some positive news, and this more than qualifies. In El Paso, Texas, a 13-year-old boy who got $25,000 in cash and gifts for his bar mitzvah is donating it spending it all on hundreds of sneakers and socks for needy kids at a local elementary school. Hundreds more pairs of shoes and socks will go to an orphanage and to a YWCA center for women and children. And not just any sneakers, Nikes. Young Drew Frank of El Paso says he has a passion for sneakers. It's how he gets his kicks. Here is your new weekly movie preview from Fandango. But what if the black and white documentary was in 3D and told the story of the making of an album called Skeleton Tree by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds? That opens tomorrow, along with a new holiday double feature from Rift Tracks with some of the guys you know and love from Mystery Science Theater. Then there's Jackie, as in Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, a psychodrama starring Natalie Portman. This year's working man feel-good Christmas story is a movie called Believe, if you'd like to see Hope Triumph Over Despair and there are others for your local theaters and showtimes previews tickets and so much more and to support this free news please use and bookmark the fandango link you'll find at buzzburbank.com. A couple of Hollywood passings to note this week Brady Bunch mom Florence Henderson at 82 first female co-host on the Today show and the first woman to guest host the Tonight show and the coolest detective in the precinct on Barney Miller, Ron Glass, at age 71. There's generally not a lot of excitement in Gardner, Kansas. You'd have to go to nearby Kansas City for that. But things got lively in Gardner when police heard there was a mountain lion in the area. They set up cameras to try to capture the beast, at least in a photo. They got some interesting wildlife photos to be sure, a coyote, a raccoon, a skunk, a man in a dog mask, an old woman in a walker carrying sabers, a man in a hazmat suit wearing a gas mask, and of course, Santa Claus, and a man in a gorilla suit. When the locals heard the police had set up cameras to photograph wildlife, they decided to give them something to see. As I said, there's generally not a lot of excitement in Gardner, Kansas. In Queensland, Australia, a man rushed to police when he found an object on the beach he believed was evidence of an untimely death, a drowning perhaps, maybe a murder. The concerned citizen had found what appeared to be a woman's breast implant. He bagged it as evidence, just like they do on TV, and took it down to the station. Police were less concerned, identifying the object as the dead body of a blubber jellyfish, very common around Queensland with its tentacles ravaged by fish or the sea itself, the blob looks very much like an implant, at least to those more familiar with implants than with ocean life. The more you know. And finally, the clerk at a family dollar store looked up and saw a shirtless man, which is not that unusual in Deltona, Florida, even considering he had the word loyalty tattooed across his belly. But when the man said he had a gun and demanded all the money, the clerk just wasn't buying it. The clerk said no to the man, and the man then left, while the clerk called police. A police helicopter with night vision spotted a man not far from the store wading through waist-deep pond water. On the ground, officers and their dogs moved in, surrounded the man, and ordered him to put up his hands and surrender. He would eventually be arrested for robbery and criminal mischief. But at first, 29-year-old Sean Torres told the deputies, quote, the guy who did it went that way pointing in a direction he'd apparently chosen at random. That's when deputies spotted the word loyalty on his abdomen. Sean also told the officers he had dropped his pole in the water, that he was merely fishing. Oh, he was fishing all right. Unfortunately for Sean, that night in Deltona, Florida, the alibis just weren't biting. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening, and thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at BuzzBurbank.com. I'll return next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Buzz, 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 buzz. Buzz, 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 buzz. Buzz, 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 buzz. Oh! The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm The Realm Network.